Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. Tannin' Fire Podcast, brother. If you ain't watching, you ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! It is December 29th. 2017 as we welcome you back to the cannon fire podcast here on youtube and itunes welcome back to the show ladies and gentlemen it has been an exciting week in bucks news probably the most eventful week in bucks news since since the beginning of the season if i gotta be honest with you here and we're gonna lay it all out for you but really quick let's give a quick shout out to dj ace spinning up some ll cool j here to start off the show, go check him out at DJ Ace. It's as simple as that. Nice intro, man. Nice to roll into. Gotta love LL Cool J and the Queen put together. But back to Bucks football. That's what we're here to talk about today on the show. I'm your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks football, Evan. Evan, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good, man. I'm glad to hear you're doing good because I'm doing good. You're doing good. We're both doing good, and it's definitely hasn't been the best week in the world for Bucks football. I can't say it's been a good week for the Bucks. Lost against the Panthers and a game that almost had me fighting my grandfather. I was watching the game with him, and that was good. I never get to watch a lot of football with any other members of my family, but it was. It was an emotional game for sure. You know, people can say it was week 16. The Bucks are, God, what are we now, 4-11. and Bucks were 4-10 and headed into that game. No hope of the offseason. No hope in really bringing anything to the table except a good competition. And that's what we did. But the most frustrating part was the fact that it was our game to lose, and that's exactly what it came down to, was the defense not being able to get the job done. You know, Chris Baker jumping off sides. If you want to point fingers at anyone... For that loss, Chris Baker, obviously, the guy who can be in the hot seat. And and he's in trouble this week, but we'll talk about that a little bit later as we kind of kick off right where we leave off every show. We'll pick up the Gruden rumors for the week, and then we'll lay out everything that has happened here lately in the red and pewter. But let's talk about Gruden, man. These Gruden rumors picked up. Big announcement. Well, big developments on Christmas Eve. Uh, You want to lay that out for us, man? We'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so Christmas Eve, right before the Bucks were getting ready to play the Panthers, um, probably around 8.30 or so, 8.30 in the morning, Christmas Eve morning, uh, Ian Rappaport went on NFL Game Day and reported that, uh, well, his first report was that uh, Dirk Cutter is on the hot seat and that the name to watch for that is John Gruden. Now, Ian Rappaport is NFL Network's Adam Schefter, basically. So he has a lot of sources. So when, when he talks, people normally listen. Um, and then a couple minutes later, Rapport came back on and said that he had updates on, on both the Gruden brothers and said that the Bengals were interested in, in Jay Gruden if the Redskins would fire him. And the bigger news is uh, said that John Gruden's preferred destination is Tampa Bay and that he's even been reaching out to potential assistants, um, friends in the coaching industry to see if they would be interested in coming along and helping him out should he get the job in Tampa Bay um, or any coaching job for that matter. Uh, yeah, pretty big stuff and really one of the probably the biggest rumor yet. Exactly. And, you know, back to the rumor that Gruden is coming out of the woodwork and, and getting 
getting a staff together to pursue what could be his next job here in Tampa Bay. A lot of people have kind of posed the question, if, if it wasn't Tampa Bay, if it doesn't work, the contract isn't right, the ownership isn't right, whatever it is, for whatever reason, it doesn't work, he doesn't come back to Tampa. You know, something that you've talked about, and a great point that you've made, is that the fan base is going to tear themselves apart, because everybody has kind of painted this picture, including myself, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I've fallen victim to it, but everybody has painted this picture that Gruden's kind of become, is going to come back, and things are going to be great, but Gruden may not come back. It's not a guarantee, and that's what a lot of people kind of have to, you know, you got to chin up and face the music in a situation like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not back until we he signs that contract, and 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 they end up holding that press conference for him. That that's when he's back. Um, and, and until then, he's not back. Uh, you've seen this happen before. Um. Uh, the, the year that Gruden was that they traded for Gruden, they were going to hire Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells backed out the last minute. He was expected to be a head coach. They were talking with Steve Mariucci. Steve Mariucci was expected to take the job, and what had happened was the Glazers actually pulled out because they had a chance to get Gruden. And then, most recently, Chip Kelly in 2012, when the Buccaneers went, they they fired Raheem Morris and they went all out for Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly basically agreed to the contract but never signed it yet. And then eventually he backed out at the last second and the Glazers were forced to um, were, were forced to make a, a, a hire that they probably shouldn't have and probably regret in Graciano. So, yeah, like I said, he's not back until he signs that pen to paper. And I'm just saying um, it would crush fans if he stayed in the booth, especially because they're just, I mean, they're already talking about who Gruden wants to draft. Come on now, he's not even head coach yet. Cutter, Cutter may not be fired. Who knows? Yeah, and that's... Uh, I, I, go ahead. And that's another thing to, to think about is, you know, if Cutter is to stick around another year and they give him another chance, I'm not against it by any means. I still like Cutter. I think he has the potential to do better. But honestly, you know, when push comes shove, Bucks are 4-11, could be 4-12 after this week. Drew Brees is not a quarterback to be taken lightly, as we've seen plenty of times against plenty of teams, but my, my point is, is, is Cutter may not even be gone, and you had touched on that essentially, so I didn't even really have to say anything, but <laughs> Cutter might not even be gone, and that's something that we have to prepare ourselves for, because if you cash in all your hope on John Gruden coming back and doing great things for these teams, only one of those things may get done, be it John Gruden coming back and or doing great things for these teams, because he could come back, and we could go 3-13, and 2-14 and 14 next year, let's hope not, but Crazier things have happened in the world of the NFL. And something I did want to ask and a question I wanted to pose, a report had come out, and I believe it was, I think it was Ian Rappaport who had also made the report because this guy just gets around, doesn't he? But Ian Rappaport had come out with a report, and on Black Monday, I think it was 12 teams are pretty much going to be fishing for coaches uh, in opening up that new position for the head coaching job. If Gruden doesn't go to Tampa... Where do you think he would settle? Because a couple of people I know had said Oakland, but all the Oakland fans that I know, uh, especially Captain Jack if he is listening, I know they want nothing to do with Gruden. And that's simply because he's not very experienced with a young team like Oakland. So he doesn't come to Tampa, where would he go? Um, well, I, I, I think if he doesn't come to Tampa, I think he ultimately stays in the booth. 
I think it's either he he uh, he becomes the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or he stays with Monday Night Football um, probably forever. Because you don't think the money would be good enough anywhere else? Uh, not not necessarily the money. Um, to me, he seems like a guy that it's not about the money to him. To me, yeah. it's about he doesn't want to move his family. He doesn't want to move his wife. Um, his child in his senior year of high school, senior year, they only got one more year. He doesn't want to move his child now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just a whole lot of factors and plus the team. Um, so I think it, it's either Gruden is coaching the Bucks next year or he's calling the Bucks on Monday night football. Um, team that I've heard a little bit of rumbles about maybe that's going to go after that is expected to go after John Gruden at least is the Detroit lions. Um, they're, they're said to, because they they have Matthew Stafford, they have all the pieces in place. They're almost like the Bucks. They they have they feel like they have all the pieces in place, but they don't feel like the coaching is where it needs to be. And they think Gruden can be um, a, a very good coach that puts them over the top. But I just don't see Gruden accepting any other job besides the Bucks job. Um, Oakland has been brought up to me. I shot it down pretty much. Uh, you know, Detroit, uh, Oakland is even farther from Tampa than Detroit is. There, There's no way that he's moving to Oakland. Um, even though, you know, his wife likes Oakland and stuff, it's just, even the, Gruden may like still like the Raiders, but I feel like his heart's in Tampa. He's lived here ever since he got fired. You know, he's, he, he, you know, he, he still says he's a Buccaneer at heart. You know, he, he wasn't inducted in the Raiders' ring of honor. You know, the Raiders barely acknowledge him, and, and the yeah. Buccaneers acknowledge him a lot, so. I think the only place he would coach is Tampa Bay, but uh, watch out for Detroit as well. And it's it's crazy how how fast things can turn, but it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense what you say. I like to believe that that's the way things are going to happen. He's either going to be a buck, or he's just not going to be a coach. You, you know, it's it's nice to know that there probably isn't going to be any in between. He's not going to come back and coach anywhere else. But more than I mean, more than likely, he's not going to come back and coach anywhere else. But John yeah. Gruden's the type of guy. He hasn't. I wouldn't say he's really pulled a pulled a one eighty on us before. I mean, he's turned down the job before. I I I, uh, I actually know that. Well, that was um, a much worse Bucks team. Let's be honest here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Glazers have offered him the job before, but um, he he has turned it down. He's also turned down. He's the ten, Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, has been trying to go after <laughs> him every. It, it, it is it is legit. They they wanted him bad, and they try to go after him every year, and and can't ever get him. You know, so. when I when we were doing those episodes, uh, we had hashtag Team Gruden for the last episode, and I'm pretty sure before that we had another Gruden themed episode. It was called Spider Two Y Banana. But whenever you Google John Gruden, and you go to Google Images to look for the pictures, I'm telling you, man, half of those pictures are Tennessee volunteer edits of John Gruden getting the coaching job. So it'll be, you know, the layout of the of the player or whatever it is that they put on social media. It's a picture of John Gruden. It says, congratulations, new head coach John Gruden of the Tennessee Volunteers. They want it bad. I think they want it worse than we do. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. that's saying something. But They've wanted it for a long time, and John Gruden's uh, never coached college. Never, ever. Yeah. Uh, that's something that, no. Uh, but, yeah, just like you were saying that, I said – um, yeah, these fans are, they're going to be a wreck if, if he stays in the booth, but they're going to be even, they're going to be even more of a wreck if he ends up going to a team like Detroit, um, because it wouldn't be Tampa. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of Buck fans and they said, you know, that they, they would have, they would rather him if he doesn't coach in, with the Bucks, 
they would rather him stay in the booth than see him on another team. And, and you know, I mean, it's the guy who won you the Super Bowl. It's the guy who was inducted in the Ring of Honor, had a lot of good seasons with the Bucks, and he was the coach the last time the Bucks made the playoffs. So it's understandable why you really wouldn't want to see him in other colors. Like, you know, uh, Raiders fans probably don't enjoy seeing John Gruden in Buccaneer colors, but uh, Buccaneer fans don't really care about him in Raider colors because that was before the Bucks. And I uh, can... I can only think, too, that, you know, for Raiders fans, it's part of the reason they just don't want him is because he won a Super Bowl here and not over there. And and he beat the Raiders. I know, dude. I yeah. It could just be a chip on their shoulder about it. But, hey, yeah. I'm not I'm not complaining. And one last thing we'll say about Gruden as we move forward and talk about the Chris Baker incident. You know, a, a, a thing not a lot of people like to remember. I've brought it up, and then nobody really says anything after it when – talking about the Gruden situation, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, and one of the Bucks groups, and you'll see some crazy things on Facebook, actually. But that's a whole other episode in itself. But talking about Gruden, a lot of things people don't want to remember, he finished 9-7 and seven his last year here when he was, I mean, practically forced out, and they did fire Gruden. But he finished 9-7. and seven. Last year, Dirk Cutter finished 9-7 and seven and practically blew the roof off the joint because we were so excited and things were looking ahead. John Gruden finished 9-7 and seven with a Bucks team that wasn't that great at the time, and it only got worse over those years. 2009 Buccaneers, the 2010 Buccaneers went 10-6, uh, and six, and that was a solid team. But those numbers started to dwindle, and we started to see a lot of the stars of that team go somewhere else and succeed. Keeb Tlaib, Donald Penn, LeGarrett Blunt. You've got guys lining up, you know, especially the receiver Mike Williams. He's not blowing stat sheets up anywhere, but he went off and made a pretty good career for himself after the Bucks. And this is a perfect situation for John Gruden to come in with a team that has all the talent in the world and is perfectly coachable, and he can come in here and possibly turn things around. So it's something that we need to pay attention to, but you know, also remember, you know, if you're doubting Gruden coming in and getting the job done, that's just something you kind of have to you have to think about, and if I can convince you, then that's a job well done for me. So, looking at the Gruden situation, it's pretty much, you know, I wouldn't say it's all said and done. We've seen crazier things happen this close to Black Monday, but things are as good as they're going to get right now for us Gruden supporters. But Evan, how are you? You know, how are you getting ready, and how are you taking this all in? How do you feel about out Gruden uh, a week from now? Because, like I said, it's pretty much the best it's going to get right now. If you're on the train. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I've been saying this. I, I'm preparing myself for him to come back. But I'm also preparing myself for him to, to stay in the booth because I don't like to get let down like that. And I know it, it sucks when you get let down like that. So I'm trying my best not to get uh, my hopes up. Um, but I also don't think, you know, he's Jesus. He's Jesus' savior. Um, you know, he still is human, and the, the Bucks still are going to lose some football games next year, no matter who's the coach. You're, you're not going to win every game, so I hope fans don't have that expectation. But uh, one put tweet, my cards on the table right now and say we go 16-0 next year. Oh, man. Only if ruins the coach, though, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I saw this one tweet uh, yesterday. Uh, it, it was from a it was from a uh, radio station in uh, Indianapolis talking about the Colts, and you know the Colts have actually been rumored to be interested in John Gruden for a little while, probably about three four years, and this dude had John Clayton John Clayton from ESPN on, long time ESPN guy, you know he knows his stuff, he he has sources and stuff, and he asked John Clayton. 
if John if John Gruden is going to return to the booth uh, this year, and and John Clayton just came out and said, uh, I don't think so. I I truly believe he's going to stay in Tampa and become the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's what I truly believe. Let me see if I can get the actual quote here because I have it somewhere right here. Um, oh, and also the uh, was on another radio show. Rick Venturi uh, knows Gruden well. Um, was on another radio show, and he says that he believes that Gruden will end up returning to the Bucks. So it's just something to keep your eye on. Um, but, you know, I mean, if he knows Gruden well, you, you might be able to c- connect the dots there. But John Clayton is uh, is, is pretty credible. So um, for him to say that, if I can find this exact quote here. There we go. I think he's going to stay in Tampa where he lives and become the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really do. John Clayton, when, when asked if John Gruden will be in the broadcast for his next season. And that was from 90, 95.7 The Game, uh, a, a radio show out of Indianapolis. So, I mean, that's not even a Bucks radio show. He just said yeah. that on a radio show. So um, that's something that's something to look at and, and to think about. But like I said, nothing, far from a done deal yet. That's the that's the thing though. You said ninety five seven the game, a radio show out of um, oh, what'd you say, Indianapolis? Yep. Probably didn't expect anyone to hear it. That's why you said it. But good things, good signs for us Gruden fans, as you are, uh, as we are, Team Gruden here on the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm ready for it, but like you said, got to be not so ready for it. But talking about what Gruden can bring to the table, heart being one of the biggest things, heart and fire, and just a, a will to go out there and win games, starting in the locker room. We're going to transition out of someone who, who pretty much, you know, just throws all that out of the window and someone who's in the hot seat this week after an emotional loss to the Carolina Panthers. Chris Baker is is the target of many, uh, as he did, you know, after the game start a, a scuffle in the locker room practically and something that was heard on multiple sources. So an ugly screaming match erupted into a scuffle between teammates in the locker room following the Bucks' 22-19 loss at Carolina Sunday involved the offsides penalty by defensive tackle Chris Baker. Apparently, several Bucks players took issue with Baker's smiling and lack-of-remorse attitude following the game. During the incident, captured on the post-game radio show, linebacker Levante David is heard yelling to stop quarterback Jameis Winston from confronting Baker. Then, middle linebacker Quan Alexander begins swearing at Baker. David left the interview to intervene. Here was the flashpoint. The Bucks were up 19-15 with three and a half minutes to play and the ball on the Panthers' 31-yard line. It was fourth and seven. Coach Dirk Cutter tried to make it a seven-point lead. Patrick Murray missed a 51-yarder wide right. The Panthers took over at the Tampa Bay 41. And in four plays, keep that in mind, Four plays were deep into Bucks territory, facing fourth and three at the five-yard line. Baker was warned by defensive tackle Gerald McCoy and others to watch the hand count of quarterback Cam Newton, who had drawn several encroachment penalties. Baker said, yeah, he had a good hard count. We were aware of that at the beginning of the game. We've got to be aware of his hard count. I just had a mental error because right before the snap, Gerald and the other guys told me to be alert for the hard count, and I just got anxious and made a bad play. McCoy confirmed that he had warned Baker. The penalty made it a much easier 4th and 1 situation for running back Jonathan Stewart to convert on the next play. Newton fumbled the snap but still ran for the game-winning touchdown. 
Baker, who signed a three-year, $15.75 million contract as a free agent from the Redskins, hasn't lived up to any expectations this season. He has 32 tackles and a half sack. So let's talk about this. Let's, let's lay it all out because we've got Chris Baker, a guy who was signed from Washington, expected to be, you know, they wanted him to be that interior stuffer, uh, that D-tackle to complement Gerald McCoy, but I remember the strong point and something a lot of people talked about was simply him racking up sacks. And with a system like Mike Smith has, you can't have every defensive lineman come in and be a sack guy, as we've seen in the past. But Chris Baker was supposed to do better than this. He was supposed to have something on his resume heading out of Tampa Bay because it's probably going to be his last year here. He came in, stole 16 mil from us, and he's out. And the Bucks don't owe him anything if they cut him tomorrow. So what, what do we do? You know, Chris Baker, obviously, like I said, I don't think he's going to be here much longer. But what can you do to bounce back from this? Because, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah, Evan, are you there for me, man? Yeah, um, it, you know that's the the question you asked is the exact question that that Jason Light is is asking himself. What what do we do? Um, and you know I don't think Baker's going to be here next year either. But we're just not going to sign talent from Washington anymore. That's what it is. Well, yeah. Even though I think that Deshaun's <laughs> been been fine. Um, we're going to talk about him in just a little bit. Yeah, just yeah, probably a couple minutes here. Yeah. Uh, well. Um, you know this 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 kind of stuff is going to happen, especially when you're four and eleven with a team with such high expectations. Um, you know Baker always seemed like a guy who didn't really care about wins. You know like he tried during games, but he didn't try during practice, and and that shows that you're not hungry to get better to to improve. And you know that's how you get wins in this league. You got to keep improving week to week. And um, it, it's funny the players that were involved in the scuffle. Are the players that? I mean, I'm not saying this. The the they're they're, all, they're all the only players that care. I'm just saying it's the players that we've heard about that they care the most. It, you know, Jameis Winston, um, Quan Alexander, then and, and then Levante David, and I even heard somewhere that um, Mike Evans also said some things to to Chris Baker as well. Um, so it just goes to show you who really. Uh, wants to win so bad, and other guys, you know, Cameron Bray, Cameron Bray wants to win, um, but he's, you know, it's not really his place to say something because he's not, he's not a leader, he's not a captain. Um, if you notice, most of those guys are captains that 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 stepped in there, right? Uh, you know, it's certain guys, Adam Humphreys, Chris Godwin, they all want to win, but they they just they can't say certain things. And uh, Cheryl McCoy, really, I mean, helped him a little bit, but there was nothing heated about it. Um, if you go back and look at the film on that play when Baker jumps, the two players that are are you can see that they're angry is 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 uh, Gerald McCoy and and uh, David um, McCoy, as you saw on the broadcast, throws his hands up, yeah, uh, sort of shouts at Baker, but then you don't see Levante David. Levante David, it looks like he's going to blow a gasket. Um, he is very angry, and you know. To let alone two plays later, touchdown and uh, or loss. So, uh, like I said, I don't think Baker's going to be here much longer. But I mean, it just goes. This goes to show you more who has heart and who wants to win. And something that I did want to bring up regarding Levante David, especially, 
You know, before the season, he's never been the type of guy to be a vocal leader. He's never been the one to come out before a game, do a rah-rah speech, get everyone, you know, checked up on. He's not the type of guy also to micromanage on defense either. But the second half of this season, we've really seen him step into a role that he's never been in before. And it puts him in these certain situations, you know, like you said, after the foul, he looked like he was going to lose his mind. And, and all right to him. But it begs the question, you know, what's got to change? But it also kind of shows you a locker room dynamic. They're making changes, and they know what's going on. They read the news. They hear stuff like this. I don't know how many Bucks players listen to our show, if any. But they know what's going on. They know what the people see, and they know what they have to fix. So moving Levante into a role like that shows that they're listening to a certain extent. But, you know, he's taking on a lot of these new responsibilities. It just sucks to see guys like that. Guys like Gerald McCoy, Levante David, Jameis Winston in particular have to deal with guys that are there to cash a check. You know, you, you can you can paint it every which way you want to, but, but Chris Baker came to collect a check after so long. You know, you had heard about him pretty much not throwing that much into practice. You know, even on hard knocks 16 weeks ago, it was made pretty pretty uh pretty prevalent that he wasn't the type to overextend himself if he didn't need to and that's not a good attitude to have but yeah but at the these... time it was fine because the season had started yet yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. baker to be just fine well you know the 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 thing about baker was that he was a good player but he didn't like the practice they 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 knew what they saw on film and just didn't didn't work out and it translates to a bad team man and that's it sucks. You know, you talk about changing the attitude, changing the culture in the locker room. That's not a way to do it. And that's a purple, uh, purple. That's a perfect example of what's going to happen when, you know, you put those elements together. But just disappointing, man. Disappointing on top of a lot of things happening this season. But back to the emotional loss against Carolina. And then after this, we'll talk about the Deshaun Jackson incident that happened recently. Jameis Winston after the game. I mean, Shelton Quarles, I feel bad for him, you know. This close to getting body slammed by our starting quarterback. And our starting quarterback isn't just anyone. Jameis is a big dude. He's 6'5", what, 230? I mean, he's a pretty big guy. I don't I don't know if he was going to full out body slam Shelton Quarles. But the point I'm trying to make is that Jameis Winston pretty much had a meltdown after the loss. And, and rightfully so. But the question, the question is, is it called for? You know, your team leader someone who is the face of the franchise, someone that everyone looks at to set an example for the rest of the team, when he blows up like that in a perfectly in a perfect situation where, you know, he has every right to blow up, is it called for? Is is what I'm trying to ask because what I see and what I hear from people I know, there's a guy actually who works up at Pro Image Sports, I'm not going to say his name, but you know, he tried to tell me yeah, you know, if I had to pick between the two quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota is head and shoulders above Jameis. And here's the thing. Jameis might be a better football player, but when I look at Jameis Winston, I see a thug. I see someone with an attitude problem and someone who cares more about himself than the rest of the team, and that's not fixable. But if you're a Bucks fan, you obviously every you see everything that Jameis does, but... That's where the question comes in. Was his emotional outburst called for? Because it puts him in a scenario where he's seen as a bad morale, you know, a cancer for the team, or however however you want to say it. 
The question is, was was his emotional outburst at the end of the game? Did he have a right to do it? This is going to be my answer, and and this is going to be it's actually I'm not going to answer the question clearly, but what I'm going to say is, is he's going to shroud us in mystery. Give you an idea what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Bucks need more players like James Winston. Um, they they need more guys. Because you know, I didn't see I I. I didn't see it. I didn't see a thug on on Sunday. Um, what I saw was a guy who was frustrated with the way that his team has been performing, and was frustrated about a call that was horrible. Um, Winston clearly had the football, would have fallen on the fumble, and um, just yeah, I, I see a guy just just frustrated, and you know he was just tired of it, and. Um, I mean, did he have to do some of the things? Uh, maybe not, but you know, when, when you're angry, you're not thinking about that. Um, you know, did he? Obviously, I'm sure he did not intend. He might not even knew that was Shelton Quarles he was pushing. He, he he might not even known that because in in the moment when you're angry, we've all been angry like that. You're not thinking about anything but how angry you are. Um, and I don't I don't blame him. It, it shows how much he wants to win and. Um, you know, a, a thug? No, I don't think so. Is it a bit immature? Yeah, probably. But um, you know, he, he's still only twenty-three years old. It's he's not. He's not like he's thirty years old and, and a veteran in the league. Um, so, um, like I said, I, I think they they need more players that are that have a little, a little bit of an edge to them and and are going to get angry like that when um, when when they end up you know losing because they just hate to lose. And we've said it time and again. Jameis Winston is not a loser. He's never been a loser until he packed his bags and moved down to Tampa. He hasn't been a loser. Barely lost his college career. Never lost his high school career. I'm pretty sure Pee Wee football, he was on a team that dominated every year. He's never been a loser his entire life. And it's a mentality that he has to learn how to handle. Obviously, he's doing the best best he can. He's been down here three seasons, breaking records, which shows you, again, that he's not a loser. But... A situation like Sunday, I, I think Jameis had every right to blow off the handle the way he did. It's unfair to Jameis, and unfair, back to the point I made before about Chris Baker, unfair to the leaders of the team, Jameis being the leader of the team, to have to put up with guys who quit, guys who just don't care, guys who are there to mm-hmm. you know, make yeah. one play and make a couple yep. million. It, it's well, unfair. I mean, you know, you can say all you want that that fumble that was supposedly recovered by Julius Peppers, even though it wasn't, and James Winston had it. James Winston was the only one going after the ball. No, but no other lineman got in there. It was right. three three Carolina Panthers and James Winston. And That's, there was there was a know, gave up. There was a picture that um, if you guys don't already actually, and, and you're listening to the show and you're active on Instagram, go follow underscore Fred. How do you say his name? Fred the Core. Yeah, Fred the Corp, I believe. Fred the Corp. Okay, Fred the Corp, uh, fantasy football guru, and you know he's got a bunch of NFL memes, Buccaneers memes. He's a cool guy out of Tampa. He is in our Bucks group chat as well. He's a great guy, and he poses a lot of great questions around every game day. And something that he had posted was the play of Jameis fumbling. Three Carolina Panthers. You've got four offensive linemen with nobody to block. Caleb Benedock is the closest one to the pile. Evan Smith is right behind him, not really in a hurry. Donovan Smith looks like he's standing still. And who is that? I can't see. Number 64. Who is that? 
Kevin Panfield. Kevin Panfield. I feel bad that I shouldn't know because Kevin is solid when he wants to be. But you got four guys with no one to block. Who are they blocking? And if you look at the picture, you'll know what I mean. But, you know, it's it's sad to see. These guys are walking towards the pile. They're not in a hurry to get in there and make a play and possibly save this football game. Obviously, chances are slim. But just the effort you put in speaks volumes. People talk about Cam Newton in particular not diving on the fumble at Super Bowl 50. That's because of a lack of effort he put in. And look at how far that has come. People still talk about it. I saw people make jokes about Jameis saying at least my quarterback dives on the fumble. And that's damn true. People had said Jameis Winston was jealous of Cam Newton. Get out of here. Come on, man. Yeah, Jameis has got a chance to break plenty uh, – to Blake to, – Jesus, man. To break plenty of records this coming Sunday – I Jason, believe. what's up? That the guy who said that, Jason Whitlock, he he just trying to do that for attention. It, it's, it's the headlines. Th- it's what gets clicks, and that's uh, again what paints the picture of Jameis being the thug that people like to say that he is, and you know bring back around that he's not the answer. Stats don't lie, numbers don't lie, and when you look at the film, that doesn't lie either. But Let's move on. I'm getting way too enveloped into this, man, and we are already a good chunk into the show. Let's talk about the Deshaun Jackson incident. If you guys haven't been following yesterday, because today is the 28th, we record on the 28th and release on the 29th, if you guys wanted a a glimpse into that. hope I didn't ruin any magic. But let me pull up the story here. Deshaun Jackson was involved in a situation where his car was wrecked, and a couple of things were found in the car that could be led, you know, could be questionable. Uh, But we'll pull up the story here. Deshaun Jackson's abandoned car found with bullets and marijuana. Only 6.3 grams of marijuana. Anything under 20 grams in the state of Florida is a misdemeanor. So he's fine on that. Everything in the car was technically legal. No felonies. But authorities in Tampa are investigating a single vehicle accident involving a Chevy Silverado registered to Buccaneers wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, which was found damaged and abandoned on Christmas Eve with bullets and marijuana inside, per a police write-up obtained by NFL.com. Police responded to a call about a wreck on West Shore Boulevard in Tampa where they discovered an abandoned vehicle that appeared to have left the road and struck a tree. The car, which was impounded after the driver fled the scene, contained 6.3 grams of marijuana and 2.38 caliber hollow-point bullets, per the report. Possession of less than 20 grams of marijuana is considered a misdemeanor in the state of Florida while the bullets are legal. In a statement to NFL Network, Jackson's spokesperson said he let a friend borrow the car. So, they haven't found out who the friend was yet, at least as far as I know. Um, Deshaun Jackson at first had had failed to cooperate with authorities, according to a police source, but he did tell authorities the name of the person in question. Jackson is said to have declined to help officers in getting the driver to return to the scene. On Wednesday evening, Buccaneers general manager Jason Light released a statement regarding the incident. He said, We are aware of a one-car accident involving a vehicle registered to Deshaun Jackson, On the night of December 24th, our understanding is that Deshaun has been in contact with authorities and is cooperating with the investigation. While no arrests have been made, Jackson remains under contract in Tampa Bay, having inked a three-year, 33.5 million deer last last March. So, it wasn't him. It's pretty pretty clear that it wasn't him. You know, he's got bigger things to worry about. Should this affect anyone else? You know, it's another... It's another... uh, it's another story that's there to, to get attention, and obviously it is an incident, but 
could this affect anyone else? Could this affect, you know, anything at all right here at the end of the season? Does this have anything to do with the way the Bucks are going to go into training camp and the draft and the offseason and yada, yada, yada? No. No, it doesn't. But it's Bucks news. And do you think it's going to have any effect on anyone? Mm, no. And, 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 you know, unless they, they find out that, you know, it, it was Jackson's. Um, uh, then it was like Jackson's bullets and Jackson's marijuana. Then the then the NFL might suspend him for two games or so, maybe if they if they're able to find out more about it. Um, but I yeah no, nothing's really gonna happen. I think Deshaun Jackson's gonna be a buck next year. Um, yeah, nothing nothing big is going to happen here. Uh, Deshaun Jackson made the Bucks aware of the incident um, right away, actually. So the Bucks have known about this for a couple of days. Um, yeah, I really don't expect much to happen. So, I mean, D- Deshaun, you know, he, he has a reputation, of course. Um, and I, I think I think he's going to be all right. And I, I think, um, you know, everybody's saying, and a lot of people, this is something I want to address, too, before we move on to, um, to something else here uh, really fast. A lot of people are saying, well, the offense is better without Deshaun Jackson, so trade him and we're good. No. No, the off this offense is not does not operate better without Deshaun Jackson. The stat, the numbers may say that, but that's only that doesn't uh, the numbers don't factor in the coaching and the game planning. Cutter, you know, has not been using Deshaun Jackson correctly at all, and the offense is actually, if you look at film, the offense has been simplified for Jameis Winston to his strengths. But why did it happen week 13? Why why didn't it happen week 3? Uh, Cutter was trying to run a vertical offense with James Winston, and it didn't work. The, the routes took too long to develop with a shaky offensive line, and that's why it didn't work. James, uh, and James's weakness is the deep ball. So what does Dark Cutter do? He keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it, until James Winston, the Bucks are 2-6. and six. James Winston's out. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in. After that, James Winston returns week 13, and Cutter changes the whole offense to help James Winston. And what do you know? James Winston has been one of the best. This is statistics now, guys. I'm not saying this is because I like Winston. James Winston has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL since week 13, statistic-wise. His passer rating is... um, is high up there in, in ranking his yards per game. His passing yards per game is first in the NFL uh, since week 13. Um, and he has eight touchdowns and I believe two interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. Two interceptions since he, since he returned. Um, but he also has a couple of fumbles in there. He has won three fumbles, I think three or four. Um, and you know, everybody's going to look at the fumbles or whatever, but the thing I'm saying is, I, I know I got off track talking about James Winston, but it made it easier because it was a lot of short routes, it was a lot of quick routes, and that's what Deshaun Jackson's good at. So, I you know I think they should be given another shot, and um, I think whoever the next head coach is, whether it's John Gruden, whether it's Sean McDaniel's, whoever it is, um, I think they'll be able to utilize Jackson much better. So. Um, that's just something I wanted to say. Chris Godwin is playing well and will be the future number two wide receiver, but not right now. Yeah, and it's it's all about working him into the system. And, and something that we saw this season with Deshaun Jackson in particular was they kind of just forced him into it. And like you said, they tried to run that vertical playbook, didn't work out. The routes took too long, and that's not Deshaun Jackson's style. 
He's the guy you can catch a short pass, make a move, and be down the field 60 yards before you even think about him. You know, he, he's that kind of player, and we haven't seen him utilized in that way. But moving on from Deshaun Jackson and the playbook and all those things, as we do hope they get better, Chris Godwin actually doing great things out there, had a hell of a day, was Tampa Bay's leading re- – was he our leading receiver against the Panthers? I mean, I yeah, know he had that I, huge pass that helped him out. but Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, it was 70-yard play. He took a slant and put 70 yards. Biggest the play knock, of the year. The only knock I'm going to give him, though, he dropped a touchdown. It was right in his hands. Right before halftime, yeah, James Winston threw a bullet in there, and he just he was on a curl. It was a tough – I think it was because, you know, he just turned around. James threw a bullet in there. Um, but it was right in his hands, right in the end zone, and uh, he should have had it. But, yeah, um, yeah that's, you know, it is what it is. That's a ball you got to grab. That's, you know, game winner, uh, essentially, something that can really set the tone and just help us be better, <laughs> not put us in the situation yeah. we were in. Uh, that's what it comes down to. But that's what you fix in the offseason. Moving on from all of that, we're going to kind of wrap up the show here with some draft talks. We haven't talked too much about the draft in the past few weeks. We've been focusing more on Gruden and everything else going on with why the Bucks suck. Let's talk about how we can get better utilizing young talent in the draft and something that, you know, I had said to someone a little bit earlier today, actually, on the Instagram page. I had posted a picture uh, about the game coming up this Sunday. You know, let's finish on a strong note. Let's finish with a win. Let's play with a purpose. Someone had said, oh, you know, it's it's tank season. We need to go out here and we need to lose this game and, and help our help our position in the draft. Well, what's that going to do? Bringing in talent, if you don't have a good atmosphere to bring them in, isn't going to do anything. Someone had brought up drafting decision makers. The Browns draft two to three decision makers every year and ruin them. You know, it's something we've talked about openly on the show before. You gotta finish, you gotta finish with a good tone, and you gotta play like you did, give a damn. Don't go out there and put it all on the line like it's the Super Bowl, but just play, you know, play like like you mean it. I guess I don't know. But talking about the talent coming into the draft, plenty of talent coming into the draft, and plenty of argument over what the Bucks need to draft most in the first round. You've got. A lot of talent, a lot of good pass rushers, tons of running backs, and a, a couple of pretty solid corners that you could possibly pick up. What would you say? And we'll break it down the first three rounds. What would you say the Bucks need to focus on first three rounds, and what order should it be? Well, I mean, I think the number one team on uh, need on the team is pass rush. Uh, I, I think the defense would be so much better if they had a, at least a decent pass rush. Um, so I think they have to go defensive. I think they have to go defensive in, in round one, excuse me. Um, but Bradley Chubb could be available. Um, with Indianapolis likely being ahead of the Bucks, though, the the chances of that go down because Indianapolis also needs pass rush. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, if they would like to go secondary, he's a guy who's – who can kind of do it all in the secondary. He can play corner, play safety. Uh, um, he's, he's also size for, for both positions. Uh, and, th- and then you got Saquon Barkley, a running back who everybody loves. Uh, I love Barkley, but I don't think the Bucks should be spending uh, their first-round pick on a running back, especially with the amount of running backs that are in this class. Right. Uh, you can find some quality talent in rounds, uh, you know, two to two to four, two to five. Um but, you know, I, order, I, I think, you know, order's tough because you don't really know. If Bradley Chubb's there, I'd take Bradley Chubb. But if Bradley Chubb's not there, I would definitely 
consider taking Minka Fitzpatrick or even trading down, possibly picking up a, an edge rusher like Arden Key or Harold Landry, two guys that I wouldn't take at, at four or five, wherever they end up. Um, so the order is really tough, but I, I can say the position is probably definitely defensive end. Uh, I would go corner, and I would also go running back. Uh, like I said, not sure of the order, but those are three positions that I would definitely – uh, be sure to hit on early. Uh, but also you have free agency, which could impact it uh, pretty pretty big. Um, you know, if, if they go out and sign, you know, three corners in free agency and four defensive ends, they're likely not drafted a corner or, de- or defensive end in the first three rounds. So you, you never really know. But as of now, I would say defensive end, corner, and running back are, are probably the ways to go. I'd like to agree with you. Um, it's hard to argue against picking up a defensive end or any sort of pass rush help in the first round, especially when you do have guys like Chubb. You know, if I had to pick a pass rusher to be the guy, it would be Chubb because he just brings that attitude. And people have said that he's mean, but he's not, he's not an asshole. No, 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 no. He's just, he's got an attitude, like a swagger about him. He's nasty on the football field. Yeah. 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 He's a great guy. You know, he'll, uh, he was, um, what was it? Uh, was it Florida State? He played the quarterback's leg like a like a guitar. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Florida State, but I know that when NC State beat Florida State, he went to midfield and spit on the FSU logo. Right. You know, and he, then I remember he stole Kelly Bryant. I believe that's his name. Uh, the quarterback from Clemson. He stole his towel and was like playing like <laughs> high speed with whatever. Uh, that was pretty good. But yeah, it's just mind games. He's just toying with the quarterback. So. Um, yeah, Bradley Chubb, he definitely brings that that swagger, that swagger, uh, just like you said. And that's the thing. It reminds you of a guy like Warren Sapp. Obviously, Warren Sapp has stories with fans where he was just an asshole. But Bradley Chubb goes out there, and he can intimidate guys on the field. And, and as much as I love Gerald McCoy, as great as he is, you know, he, he finds a way to make plays even against double and triple coverage. He's just not a mean guy. And nope. He doesn't portray to me as a guy who's going to go out there and rip your head off and that's what you kind of need especially to set the tone for that front four because Gerald McCoy great talent as he is the media has cupcaked him up man I mean he is just he can do no wrong and all power to him I'd rather him be that than you know to be something that people look down on like in Sue, same draft class these guys are polar opposites but it's just in attitude that they do need. So it's hard to argue against that, and, and pass rush is definitely what I'm rooting for first round. But jumping into second and third round, second round, I'm pretty steady set on a running back. Uh, I can't really throw up too many big names that are going to be floating around second round in the running back position uh, just because I really haven't thought about it. But if you're going to bring in talent, you're going to bring it in quickly. Charles Sims... And Peyton Barber is a combo, just aren't going to cut it. Because it, it, the harsh truth that we have to face is that the Bucks at the running back position, let's break it down. Doug Martin's not going to be here in September. Uh, I mean, Charles Sims is a pretty solid third down guy when he runs vertical. I think he's a good receiving back. Peyton Barber is solid as well. But these guys aren't going to be carrying the load come next season if there isn't new talent brought in to at least mix things up a little bit. And when you go second round for a running back, it can open up that depth and it can promote a sense of competition. And you start to see the best out of these guys. Jaquiz Rogers, I like Quiz, but I would say he's probably 
out of the three running backs that we have steady in rotation now, I'd say he's third place. He just hasn't, I, I don't know, he hasn't blown anything up for me. Peyton Barber has had his moments. Charles Sims has had his moments as well. Jaquiz Rogers, without a doubt, has had his moments. But he hasn't carried that over into the second half of the season, especially since he's been kind of sitting back and not getting as much uh, as much reps mm. as Peyton Barber and Charles Sims. But to yeah. bring in a second-round draft talent in the running back class that is so deep this year could do us favors. You know, we see the best out of these guys, and hopefully they pick up someone, as we've seen before, Jason Light picking up great talent throughout the draft. I trust him in this draft process. So we'll see what happens, but running back is, is definitely my second rounder. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I think that you can still find some some pretty good talent even in the third round. I, I like this running back class better than I did last year's. Um, and also, that's you know, I, I went into my my crystal ball or whatever a few weeks ago and said <laughs> that the Bucks, the, the Bucks twenty eighteen uh, running back group was going to look very different. Um, and I'm sticking by that. I still don't think Doug Martin. I still think Doug Martin, Charles Sims, and Jaquiz Rogers will all be gone. Um, I think I think Peyton Barber will be the only Bucks running back on the roster. Think he's the only right one now. that'll make it out of the wreckage. That will be back. Yeah, I do believe. I believe that they're going to sign a running back in free agency, and they're going to draft a running back very high in the draft. Um, guys, I like in free agency: Isaiah Crowell, Jarek Jarek McKinnon. Um, there's a couple other guys. Uh, Jeremy Hill, I like. Uh, and guys are like in the draft in the third round, I prefer a running back because I feel like cornerback is probably the bigger need there, especially if Brent Grimes retires. Yeah. Although I expect them to sign a cornerback as well. Um, third round, I like guys like Sonny Mitchell from Georgia or or even Rashad Penny from San Diego State, one of my favorite guys in this class. He's very high on my board. Um, but, you know, uh, I'll, I'll have a couple mock bucks only mock drafts for you guys as uh, as draft season gets closer, of course. And, you know, something good to talk about is the running back class. But uh, something really quick I did want to bring up. Um, I'm playing a Madden 18 franchise, and pretty much what I uh, what I did is I took the Bucks team, what it is now, I imported the current roster, and I simulated a season to next year, the beginning of next year. Dirt Cutter's still the coach because you can't exactly do anything like that unless you build a custom coach. But Dirt Cutter's still the coach, and I noticed second week of the season, a trade was made. Doug Martin was sent to the Bills alongside a third-round pick for uh, for LaShawn McCoy. And it just, I don't know, it made me I laugh. I wish that was real. Yeah, yeah. But Madden 18, it was a five-star trade, man. It was. It was a five-star wow. trade. It was an injured Doug Martin, too. He had, um, oh, God, what did he do? I don't remember what he did. He had sprained something, but he was out like three weeks. And it was the first week of his injury, and they traded him away. Which I don't even think you can do, can you? No, you can't trade somebody when they're injured. Exactly. But, I mean, we've seen crazy things happen in Madden. But third round, taking a look at the talent we haven't talked about yet. We talked about the running back position so far. We talked about the pass rush. That'll hopefully be picked up in the first round. But we start to get to the third round where you're starting to get, you know, you're starting to have to take chances on some of these guys. Third round, you would uh, you would talked about cornerback, and and I want to stay I want to stay right with you because the cornerback position, Vernon Hargraves, hopefully going to be able to hold it down next year. I think he's going to do a great job, and I think he's only going to get better uh, as he started to pick up right around the 
halfway point of this season. I think he can hold down for it. Brent Grimes isn't going to be here next year, all but confirmed by Miko on Twitter. But I, I still, I still want to believe, like that a big name safety is going to be our option. I still want to believe that a safety is going to be the smarter and safer choice because if you're making moves for cornerbacks and free agency, you're going to have some big names pop up in there, especially, oh, God, especially, you know, the way Seattle's falling apart now. You never know what's going to happen out of there. But third round, I guess I'm, I'm going to sway my decision on what you have to say about it. Third round, is it going to come down to a cornerback or is it going to come down to another safety? Mm, that's tough um you know when you're talking about third round if they do go running back defensive end defensive end running back um it all depends you know justin evans is gonna be a starter um vernon hargraves is gonna be a starter uh, it also depends on what do they keep Ryan Smith around? Do they keep Robert McLean around? Who I like. Uh, I like Robert McLean. I think he's had a very good season. I think he's been a pretty good free agent signing for for the for the Bucks. Um, so I mean, I would probably go corner um, because I I mean I don't really expect them to be particularly in free agencies. Agency not a huge one at least. Um, you know, I kicked around the idea on Twitter about Earl Thomas possibly if Seattle needs some cuts, um, and I just said, you know, if, if Earl Thomas Earl, Earl Thomas is released, I if I'm Jason Light, I'd do whatever it takes to get him here. Earl Thomas and Justin Evans would be very scary, and Seahawks Twitter found that and didn't really appreciate it. So, <laughs> um, oh well, but uh, you know, it happens. But I don't see Earl Thomas being released. If they do, I don't see him going to the Bucks. But um, I mean, there's no big-name safeties and free agency available, really. There's a couple corners, um, so, but I'm still not going to roll with they're going to draft a safety in the third round. I think they're going to still go corner. Um, but, you know, I still think they're going to go corner in the second and running back in the third um, just because I think that the running back class is deeper than the corner class. But like I said, still all depends on what they do in free agency. I got you, man. It's, it's going to come down to that, and, and the safety position – Something I wanted to recognize before we wrap up the show here. Chris Conti, man. Uh, I mean, obviously he hasn't had a blockbuster year. He's not leading the team in interceptions or anything. But the guy has really made a name for himself. And I can appreciate the effort he's putting in in making some of the plays that he has this season. Have you noticed that? Like, he's he's really getting his nose in there and making plays. Yeah, this is probably his best season as a buck. Because I remember this time two years ago, I wanted his head. Like yeah, I, well, I, I, I wasn't his biggest fan at all. Last year was probably his worst year, but this year is probably his best year. But I wouldn't really count on him being here next year either. Team can save close to two million dollars if they cut him. Um, but you know they might keep around. He's. A good I don't dad. think he's going to get cut. I don't. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to get cut because I don't think he has big enough reason to get cut. I, I think he offers more experience than, you know, what they could bring in through the draft. Anyways, I wouldn't be surprised if they re-signed T.J. Ward. Well, yeah, I, don't I think would it, pick TJ. I don't think it will happen. I don't think they'll re-sign TJ Ward, but I'm just saying it was. It won't surprise me if they do, um, or at least if they try to. And if, if they try to, that shows that um, they don't really feel comfortable about the the safeties. Um, I think Justin Evans and TJ Ward would be just fine safeties. Yeah, I, I think those guys could hold it down. And 
that's the thing. Chris Conti, I, I mean, it sucked that he'd ride the bench. I don't like the rotation that they've set up. You know, you have guys like TJ Ward begging for playing time because Chris Conti is in there. But there's got to be something going on. He's in there starting for a reason, and they are rotating for a reason. I'm just saying I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't like to see him go. But Justin Evans and DJ Ward, I think those guys could, could definitely hold it down in the backfield for us. But let's wrap up the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a good show. It has been a longer show. But it's been pretty eventful this past week, and I hope we've done a pretty good job of laying it out for you. But we're going to wrap things up here on the Cannon Fire Podcast here on YouTube and iTunes. If you haven't already, make sure you go follow us on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. Subscribe on YouTube at Cannon Fire Podcast. And leave a five-star review on iTunes. It costs you nothing. It means the world to us. And subscribe there as well if you haven't. We also just recently hit 1,000 downloads on iTunes. And I can't thank you guys enough. It has been, it has been without a doubt, you know, one of the most entertaining things for me and Evan as well, I'm sure. To, to do this show every week, uh, it's awesome to have people that listen and actually you know give a damn about the opinions we lay out. And it's awesome to see the growth here on the show, on Instagram, on YouTube. We are one away from 100 subscribers. Things are going great, guys. Things are going better for us than it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. And, and that's, that's just the point I'm trying to make. But things have been really good, and let's hope that things get better. This is the last show of 2017. Yeah, wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, last show of 2017. My birthday is going to be New Year's Eve, but unfortunately I'm going to be have to work on New Year's Eve, so that's uh, going to blow. I'm not even going to have a party either. Like, I'm not going to uh, be able to go to work and go home and chill out and watch the ball drop. I'm going to have to work through all that. I'm so going to bring the party to you. What's up? I'm going to bring the party to you. All right, man. I'll probably be on Instagram. I'll, I'll get in trouble at work so I can stay on Instagram and try and watch the game on my phone. But I'm going to be doing the best that I can to keep up with things. Um, but last show of 2017, thank you guys so much for making 2017 special for us. Here's to a much better 2018 as we continue to grow and follow the Bucks alongside you guys. Evan, any last words for the year, man? Any predictions for 2018? And, and what are you going to leave us leave us in here for 2017? Uh, okay. January 2018 is going to be a pretty busy and exciting month for Bucks fans. That's all I'm going to say. All right. It's going to be something I'm excited for. We talked about it before. No matter what happens, no matter if there's coaching changes or not, you know, whatever way it turns out, I'm excited. And it's an exciting time to be following this Bucks team if you're not on the wagon already. So all I'm saying is just is buckle up, guys. It's going to be fun. So we are wrapping it up here. We will see you guys next time. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Hope you have a great 2017 as you choose to wrap it up any way you'd like. And go Bucks. <laughs> see you next year, guys. Have a good one.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.